Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter 19, and like I announced during the uh, announcement time uh, this morning, I preached on the subject of our vision offering, our coming up vision offering. We weren't in our Happily Ever After series on uh, marriage in the Christian home, so tonight we're going to do our marriage sermon. So we're going to be looking at this um, idea of marriage, and, and we're in our Happily Ever After series. And just to quickly review, this is uh, tonight is the seventh sermon in this series. And if you remember, several weeks ago, I started this series on marriage, having children, raising children, the Christian home. And I began with a sermon entitled The Institution of Marriage. We, we did a biblical overview of marriage and what the Bible teaches about marriage. Then we spent two weeks, if you remember, a Sunday morning and a Sunday night on the subject of are you ready to get married? And we're speaking specifically to young people and about what it takes to be ready for marriage. Then we spent two weeks, Sunday morning and Sunday night, on the subject of leadership and submission in marriage. Last uh, Sunday morning, I spoke on the subject of love and reverence in marriage, and I'm kind of just making my way through uh, what I believe to be the major topics. And we're going to get into having children and raising children and and, and other things as well, but we're kind of hitting them by order of importance. And tonight, I'm preaching on the subject of what the Bible teaches about divorce and remarriage. Uh, And this is a topic that is somewhat controversial uh, as you speak to people uh, today, and uh, the Bible has a lot to say about it, and I really want to just give you a, a theology in regards to a, a biblical explanation in regards to what the Bible teaches about this, and uh, for many of you who have been part of our church for a while, this will not be new, this will be a lot of review, but it's good for you to be reminded some of these things, uh, be reminded uh, why we believe these things, what the Bible teaches about these things. For some of you, it may be new, maybe something you've never heard before, and that's okay. It's uh, our job to preach the Word of God to you. Obviously, divorce and remarriage is a major issue in our society. We're told that 50 to 60 percent of marriages today end in divorce, 50 to 60 percent. And let me just say this, if you're here tonight and you have been divorced and remarried, I'm not preaching this to try to beat up on you or to try to, um, you know, make you feel bad or make you feel guilty. Um, Obviously, uh, we live in a society and a culture where this type of preaching is very rare. And there are many people that come to our church um, that were divorced and remarried before they ever came to a church like this. It's something that's in their past. And you know what? I'm thankful for the fact that God forgives sin. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And uh, I will tell you some of the greatest uh, people we have around here are people that had divorce and remarriage in their past, and we love them, and we respect them, and uh, we they are not a second-class citizen uh, around here, and I never want you to get that pharisaical attitude towards uh, people with sin. Because let me let you in on a little secret. You've got sin in your life, too, and you've got a, uh, a, a sin in your past as well. We all do, uh, so please understand that uh, when it comes to these types of sins, people can get right with God or get saved or these things could be in their past and, and, and that's where they're at. I'm thankful that we serve a God that separates us 
from our sins. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says, in the sea of his forgetfulness, he throws them behind his back when we are forgiven. Now, with that said, uh, let me say this. Uh, we're going to continue to preach against divorce, and we're going to continue to preach these things uh, because of the fact that we don't want those who have not gone down that road to go down that road. We want to be able to encourage them to stay away from that. This uh, summer, I, pre- I did uh, five weddings in five months. We've got five brand new couples around here in this church, and those young couples need to hear sermons like these. And some of you older couples need to hear sermons like these. And here's what I know about, uh, about those that have gone through divorce and, and remarriage as people are surveyed that have uh, gone through uh, divorce, they often uh, will rate going through a divorce as one of the most traumatizing experiences they ever went through. And uh, people do not look back on divorce as a fun thing, like, I'd sure like to do that again. Uh, That was real nice, you know, going through that. Uh, And uh, so uh, if it's not something that it was good for you, then you should uh, be thankful that you have a pastor that's trying to keep people from going through that. And these sermons are needed for these young people and these young couples and these older couples and, and whatever, uh, wherever you find yourself, just realize that uh, the Word of God needs to be preached and, and helped. But again, for those of you who say, oh, pastor, you know, I, I was, I, before I even came here, I never knew it was wrong. I'd been divorced. Remain. You know, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. But I do want to speak to you on this subject and give you really an overview. I'm, I'm going to give you tonight everything I know uh, as quickly as I can on the subject of divorce and, and remarriage. You're there in Matthew chapter 19. I want you to notice the context of the passage that we're in in verse 3. The Bible says, The Pharisees also came unto him. The him there is referring to Jesus. They came unto him tempting him. And what that means is they came to test him. They wanted to test him and they wanted to tempt him and saying unto him, notice the question they ask, is it lawful? What they're asking is, is it, they're referring to the laws of God. They're saying, is it wrong? Is it a sin? Is it okay? Is it lawful for a man to put away? And I want you to notice that that phrase, put away, in your King James Bible, that phrase means divorce. And I'll show that to you and prove that to you as we move along in the sermon. But that phrase, when they say to put away his wife, is referring to divorce. They're asking Jesus, remember, to tempt him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, to put away his, uh, his wife? And notice what they add, for every cause. They say, is it lawful to put away your wife for any reason, for whatever reason you want, for every cause? And notice there in verse 4, and he answered and said unto them. And I love this. He begins with, Have ye not read? And I will tell you right now, usually that's the problem. When people have wrong beliefs and weird beliefs about things, it comes down to this thing. They have not read. They have not read what the Bible says. They don't know what the Bible says. They make assumptions and they make assertions of what they think the Bible says, but they've not actually read. And Jesus looks down at these individuals. He says, have you not read? And he begins to teach them on the subject of divorce and remarriage. And let me just say this for those of you, especially if you're taking notes tonight, and I definitely encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week and write some things down, because you need to know this for yourself. You need to know this for your children. 
You need to know this. You might know someone at work and they're contemplating getting a divorce and hopefully they know you as the Christian and they might ask you questions about this and you need to be ready to answer what the Bible teaches about these things. And the first thing I want you to know is that there is a biblical exclusion of divorce. Well, you say, what does that mean? That means that God does not want us to include divorce into our way of thinking, into our mindset. He forbids it or he prohibits it. God does not want uh, 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 couples to enter into divorce. See, what Jesus is teaching here, and what he's teaching these Pharisees as they ask this question, notice there in verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning, this is a reference to Genesis, to Adam and Eve. He says, He which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. This is a quote from Genesis. This is when God brought Adam and Eve together and established the concept or the institution of marriage. What is marriage is that twain shall become one. That twain, too, shall be one flesh. And then Jesus teaches the concept of divorce, the biblical exclusion on the concept of divorce. What is it? Notice verse 6. Wherefore, they are no more twain. Notice what he says. He says they are no more two individuals. When two individuals walk into the, uh, uh, the, the, the marriage ceremony, and at our church we do uh, uh, our best to keep up with the old traditions that have many uh, different pictures. And one of the pictures is that the, uh, uh, that the groom and the bride, they walk in separately. They walk in at different times. They walk in from different locations, meaning they're coming in as two different individuals, but they walk out together. Why? Because they are twain which become one flesh. And notice what Jesus there says in verse 6. He says, wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. He says that's marriage. Marriage is two becoming one. Then he says this, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. He says, you say, what is the teaching on divorce? Here's the teaching how Jesus put it. He says, don't separate what God has joined together. He says, don't un-one what God has made one. He says, wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. See, the Bible clearly teaches that God has an exclusion to divorce. He has a hindrance to divorce. He prohibits it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it in your life. In fact, He wants you, when you enter into marriage, to enter into marriage with a commitment that we are two individuals that are becoming one, and what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. I want you to notice that God not only does not want two to be separated, He does not want us to unone what He has made one, but the Bible actually says that God hates divorce. You're there in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, keep your place there in Matthew if you would. We're going to be coming back there. But go with me to the book of Malachi. If you, look, book, if you go back one book, you're in the first book in the New Testament. Go back into the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter number 2. We've seen this passage several times as we've been studying the subject of marriage, but I want you to see it again. I want you to notice what God says about divorce. God says that He hates divorce. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, 
And did not he make one, again, referring to Genesis, did not he take twain and make one? Notice, yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And then he says, and wherefore one, the word wherefore means for what reason, why did God make one? That he might seek a godly seed. We talked about that in in the first sermon. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, notice, and let none, and let none, that means don't allow anyone, he says, let none deal treacherously. That word treacherously means to be, it would be the same word that we would use as treason or, uh, 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 or, or to be a traitor. It, it means to be unfaithful. He says, let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. He says, don't betray, don't uh, be a traitor, don't be treasonous to your spouse in the concept of divorce. You say, why? Look at verse 16. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. Again, the phrase putting away is in reference to divorce. And the Bible says that God hates it. God hates divorce. God hates putting away. And you say, why is that? At the end of the sermon, as we finish up, I'll give you the reasons that I believe, uh, one reason that why I believe that God hates divorce. But I want you to understand that the Bible teaches that we should not separate, we should not unone what God has made one. We should not separate that which God has joined together. There is a biblical exclusion to divorce. You're there in Malachi. Go with me to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter number 7. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. And look at verse number 1. Romans chapter 7 and verse 1. See, the Bible teaches that marriage is till death do us part. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Know ye not, brethren. Notice what Paul said. He said, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband. Notice, so long as he liveth. By the way, young ladies, this is why it's very important that you choose wisely. Because you are bound by the law to your husband so long as he liveth. Notice, but if the husband be dead... She is loose from the law of her husband. What does that mean? Here's what it means. According to the law of God, when you get married, you are bound till death do us part. If the husband be dead, she is loose from the law. By the way, Mormonism is uh, lies when they say that you're going to be married in heaven, you're going to be eternally married. That's not true. Marriage literally is till death do us part. On this earth, we get married. But in heaven, there will be no marriage. In heaven, we'll simply be brothers and sisters in Christ. But the Bible says that a woman is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Let me show this to you in another passage. There in Romans, go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at a lot of passages tonight, so you'll just try to keep up and uh, look at uh, what the Bible says about this. You may not like what I have to say, uh, but I will, and that's between you and God. That doesn't make a difference to me. In fact, I like it more when people don't like it. Uh, but what I can promise you is everything I'm going to tell you is going to come straight out of the Bible. Amen. And if you'll actually follow along and, and look at the passages, you'll be able to see that this is what the Bible teaches. First Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 10. First Corinthians 7, 10. The Bible says, And unto the married I command, this is Paul speaking, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, of course. He says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, 
He said, this is not a suggestion. This is what God says. Let not the wife depart from her husband. He says, look, there's no divorce or separation. But, and if she depart, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband, notice, put away his wife. See, the Bible consistently teaches against divorce. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Let not the husband put away. The word phrase put away means divorce. His wife, look down at verse 39, same uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. The wife is bound by the law. Notice what he says. As long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. See, you are bound to marriage until death do us part. That's why when we have the marriage ceremonies and we have the vows, we include in those vows, till death do us part. Why? Because the Bible teaches that marriage is till death do us part. There is an exclusion to divorce. It's not an option. And what I often uh, uh, advise married couples, and I want to advise you tonight, Eliminate this concept of divorce from your marriage. Remove it completely. Uh, this idea that divorce is an option, that it's something that you could do or may have to do. Go back to Matthew chapter 19 if you would. Erase it. Because God is against it. God has excluded it. God has said, don't unwind what uh, I have made one. And look, and if you're here tonight, you say, well, pastor, I've been divorced and remarried. You know, this sermon is not for me. Oh, no, this sermon is for you if you've been remarried. Because you know what? In your remarriage, you ought to stay committed to the person you're married to now. Amen. You say, oh, well, I've been divorced in the past. Okay, well, then don't divorce the one you're with. Amen. Stay with them. And, and, and that's God's will for your life now. You say, prove that from now. I'm about to. Matthew 19. Jesus taught against divorce. Paul taught against divorce. I think it's very obvious that there's a biblical exclusion in Christian marriages to the concept of divorce. Do not separate. Do not uh, separate what God has joined together. Do not unone what God has made one. Why? Because when God makes you one, it's till death do us part. Now, I want you to notice there in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9, notice what the Bible says. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away, remember the phrase put away means divorce, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication. Now, we're going to come back to that here in a minute. But he says, except it be fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Adultery. And I want to just for a second talk to you about this concept of adultery within divorce and remarriage and, uh, and, and this, this concept of, uh, of adultery. Because the Bible says that whosoever shall put away his wife and shall marry another committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. And here's what you need to understand. You say, well, why is it adultery? And here's why. Because the process of finding a mate, dating them, developing a relationship with them, getting engaged with them, and, and marrying them, while you're married to someone else, is adultery. Do you understand that? So the Bible says, hey, whosoever put away his wife and shall marry. Now I want you to see this word marry. You see the word marry there? The word marry is a verb. It's an action. It's something people do. You get, you, 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 you do 
you are going to uh, uh, do the action of getting married or being married. It's an action. It's a verb. Whosoever shall put away his wife except to be for fornication and shall marry, the way that it's worded there, shall marry, is something that they're doing, shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso, notice here, it's even more clear, marrieth, this is an act, her which is put away, doth commit adultery. This is a verb, it's an action, why? Because getting married while you're already married would be adultery. That's why it's adultery. But I want you to understand something, that once you are married, because there's a false teaching out there that says if somebody gets divorced and remarried, that it's adultery, and the Bible teaches that because, because in the eyes of God, you're married to an individual. And when you go and find a date, set up your little Christian mingle account, and you're going through and setting up dates and meeting people and talking to people and, 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 and getting a girlfriend or getting a boyfriend and getting engaged and you're going through that whole process and you're setting up a wedding venue and you're getting all that process. Doing all of that while you're married to someone is adultery. That's what the Bible teaches. But then there's this false teaching that says that once you get married to somebody else, then you're just in this perpetual adultery for the rest of your life. And I'm going to tell you something, that is not what the Bible teaches. This idea that, oh, well, if, if you've been divorced and remarried, you're just in perpetual adultery, just perpetual sin. Well, there's, there's, there's lots of problems with that. You know, you say, well, what is that? When you get married and then you marry somebody else, what would you call that? Here's what you would call that. You married a second person. It's actually a concept that has been done. It's not right, but it's been done all throughout our human history. It's called polygamy. I mean, do you really think that Abraham, who had multiple wives, Jacob, who had multiple wives, you know, David, Solomon, men all throughout the Bible who had multiple wives, they were just living in perpetual adultery. No, look, when they were married and they started dating another girl, that was adultery. Once they married that second girl, they crossed from adultery into another sin called polygamy. But they're just married to, you know, you might say, well, I've been married four or five times. Well, you, you know, you're just, in the eyes of God, you've been married to a lot of people. But it's not perpetual adultery. This is no different than uh, polygamy. And in fact, the Bible specifically, go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I want you to see this. Now look, are we against divorce? Absolutely. Are we against people dating while they're divorced? Yes, we are. And in fact, we call it what the Bible calls it. It's adultery. To be looking for someone else to get married to while you're married is adultery. But you know what? According to the Bible, if, you're, if, you, if you marry that person, you're not married to them. You're not in perpetual adultery. And in fact, the Bible specifically, because this is what the teaching of perpetual adultery teaches. They'll say, well, what you need to do is divorce the one you're married to and go back to your previous spouse. But the Bible specifically forbids that. You say, prove it. Deuteronomy 24. You're there. Look at verse 1. When a man had taken a wife and married her 
and it comes to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he has found someone cleanest in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. We're going to come back to verse 1 and 2 in a minute. I'm going to break it down and explain it to you. I'm just reading this for context right now because I want you to see verses 3 and 4. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Again, we're going to come back and break that down in a minute. Look at verse 3. And if, notice the words, the latter husband. What does the word latter mean? It means the second husband. It means you, you, if you have a latter husband, it's because you had a husband before that one. And if the latter husband, this would be her second husband, why does she have a second husband? Because she got divorced. We just read it there in verses 1 and 2. She, the, a man had taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she find, he find no favor in his eyes because he has, she has some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. This lady was married and divorced in verse 2, and when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Verse 3, and if the latter husband, the second husband, hate her, you know, this lady just can't pick the right guys, you know, and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband, what's the latter husband? The second husband. If the latter husband die which took her to be his wife, notice verse 4, her former husband. What's the former husband? That's the first husband. Are you following what the Bible is saying here? This lady was married and divorced. She went and married another guy, but then she also divorced her latter husband. If that happens, if she divorced her second husband, verse 4, Deuteronomy 24, verse 4, her former husband, her first husband, which sent her away, may not take her again. He may not take her again to be his wife after she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. This teaching of perpetual adultery is not only not found in the Bible, it goes against what the Bible actually teaches. The Bible says that if you get married and divorce and marry someone else, you're actually forbidden to go back to your former spouse. So people come to our church and they're like, Pastor, I've been divorced and remarried. What should I do? Should I divorce the one I'm with and go back to my old wife? No, you know what? You stay with the one you're with. Amen. And you love her, you reverence him, and you make it work out. That's God's will for your life now. You're married to that one till death do us part. But the Bible actually forbids you going back to your former uh, wife or former husband. Now, let me just clear this up. Because people ask me questions about this all the time. I mean, I literally just got this question not that long ago. That, that rule only applies if one of you uh, gets remarried. So let's say there's a husband and wife. They get divorced and they separate, but they don't marry anyone else. And then eventually they, they come to church like this. They hear preaching from the word of God. They get their hearts right. They get right with God. And they want to try to make it work and get back together. Hey, praise God for that. They can go back and get married and make that thing right, and, and that's, that's what the Bible teaches. But look, if, if a husband and wife divorce, she goes and marries somebody else, that, that relationship is done. You are forbidden. Her former husband, which sent her away, make not take her, uh, take her again to be his wife, period. This is what the Bible teaches. So look, people often, because they want to feel like they're really fundamental, will take just these extremes. Look, don't take... Larger extremes. Look, the Bible's extreme enough. Yeah. You know, when you're more, 
when you're more fundamental than God, you're, you're too fundamental. When, you've got, when, when you're looking down at Jesus Christ, uh, then you're just too right with God. You know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches against divorce. But you know what the Bible does not teach? It does not teach that we should hate people that have been divorced. Because we're all sinners. And you know what? I've never gotten divorced, but I've sinned. And so have you. And this idea that you're just a perpetual adulterer is not what the Bible teaches. You need to go back to your former spouse is not what the Bible says. And look, you say, what kind of church is this? It is a Bible-believing church. We actually believe the Bible. So there you go. That's what the Bible says. Go back to Matthew chapter 19. So there's this biblical exclusion of marriage. Don't separate what God has joined together. Don't un-one what God has made one. Marriage is till death to aspire. But don't also go to some pharisaical extreme that makes you more fundamental than God. Because you know what God says? God says, love the one you're married to. Be faithful to the person you're married to right now. Commit to them till death do us part. And God actually forbids you going back to your former spouse once you've been married. Now, if you've divorced and you've not remarried and they've not remarried, then you should go back and try to make it work. This is what the Bible teaches. So we saw, number one, the biblical exclusion of divorce. But number two, let me give you the biblical exception for divorce. The biblical exception for divorce. Because the Bible does teach that there is one exception where God allows for divorce. Go to Matthew 19. Now, let me just say this. Some of you are like, man, now you're getting liberal again. Look, I'm just going to teach you what the Bible says. Amen. I didn't write it. God wrote it. And, and, and if God wrote it, it's good. Amen. There's one biblical exception to divorce, but let me just, let me just go ahead and, and just make this prediction, okay? It doesn't apply to you. I mean, I'm just going to take a wild guess that this biblical exception does not apply to 99.9% of married couples in the United States of America today. Uh, you say, then why are you preaching it? Because I want to teach this to you because this often gets, gets uh, put out of context. And look, let me just break this down to you. People often say, well, the one biblical exception is adultery. If your spouse commits adultery, then the Bible allows you to divorce them. That's not true. The Bible does not teach that. That is not. I'm going to give you a biblical exception for divorce, but it's not that one. You say, well, what is it? Well, look at it. Matthew 19. Look at verse 7. They say unto him, why did Moses... Remember, they, taught, they asked Jesus, can we put away our wives for every cause? And he's like, don't un one what God has made one. Let not man put asunder what God hath joined together. Then, So they, 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 they respond to him, verse 7. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He said, okay, well, if we're not supposed to unwind what God has made one, if marriage is till death do us part, then why did Moses, they asked Jesus, why did Moses allow for a writing of divorcement and to put her away for divorce? Notice verse 8. Here's the answer. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. Now, I want you to remember that. He says, because you were stubborn, because men and women are stubborn, he says, Moses suffered. The word suffer means to allow. He did not command this, but he allowed you to put away, to divorce your wives. He says, from the beginning it was not so. He says, look, this was not God's plan. This is not what God intended. He did not. He wanted to make twain one. 
You say, well, what, what is the biblical exception for divorce then? Look at verse 9. And I say unto you, this is what Jesus said, whosoever shall put away, again, that means divorce, his wife, except, here's the exception, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So what is the exception that you can get a divorce? Well, the Bible says the only exception is, except it be for fornication. So what is the reason that you can get a divorce? It's for fornication, but I want, I want you to see this. I want to break this down for you. Go back to Deuteronomy 24, where we just were. Deuteronomy chapter 24 is for fornication before marriage. So let me, let me explain something. It's not for adultery. Fornication and adultery are not the same thing. Fornication is engaging in a, sexual, in, a, in, a, in a physical relationship before marriage or outside of marriage. And adultery is engaging in a uh, physical relationship when you are married with someone that you're not married to. Jesus said that you can, uh, uh, that whosoever should put away his wife, except it be for fornication. Fornication is the exception. So it's for fornication. Now let me just let you in on a little secret. That happens before marriage. If, 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 if someone is committing the physical act while they're married, that's not fornication, that's adultery. Fornication happens before marriage. And when you can apply this exception is before the consummation of the marriage. Now you say, what are you talking about? Go to Deuteronomy 24, and I'm, I'm going to break this down to you, for you, and I'm going to show this to you from the Bible. And like I said, look, you may not like it. That's between you and God. My job is not to try to sell the Bible to you and try to make you like the Bible. Look, I love the Bible whether I, whether I like what it says or not because it's the Word of God. Amen. And that's what you should do. But let me explain to you from the Bible. Now, before we get into the passage, just to lay a foundation. In the Bible, what the Bible teaches for someone to be married, for someone to biblically be married, there are three things that need to happen. First, they need to enter into a covenant. They need to have vows that they make publicly before God and before men. There's a covenant. Then there's also a contract. There needs to be whatever, wherever you live, whatever time of history you live in, you need to follow the social guidelines of whatever constituted a legal married marriage in that society. And people today will try to say that, oh, you don't need that. You don't need a marriage license. You don't need these things. Well, listen to me. If you don't need those things, then why do they need a bill of divorcement to undo it? They needed a bill of divorcement because it was a legally uh, contracted uh, uh, agreement that they entered into. Now, in different cultures throughout history, it's been different things. And what we tell people is, whatever the norm is in your life, do that. You know, wherever you live, but in the United States of America, it's going down to the county and getting a marriage license. You know, and, and it hasn't been that throughout all of history, and it's not like that, maybe necessarily in all the world. But whatever constitutes a legal marriage in the time you live, where you live, that's what you need to do. So you need to have a covenant, which is vows that you make before God and before men. You need to have a contract, something that legally makes you married in that culture, in that society. And then there needs to be consummation, meaning that you physically come together as a husband and wife, 
and you consummate the marriage. It is not until those three things are met that someone is married in the eyes of God. You say, why does that matter? Well, let me give you an example as to why it matters. Because sometimes people, you know, sin just makes everything complicated. Have you ever noticed that? I'll give you an example. I spent four years in the Air Force. And when I was in the Air Force, and I saw this uh, several times while I was in the Air Force, and I know that there have been pastors that have dealt with situations like these uh, throughout, throughout time. And uh, when I was in the Air Force, you know, when, what you would have is you would have your, your pay from the military, but then if you, if you lived off base, you would get more money called a housing allowance. Well, you're only allowed to get the housing allowance if you were married. Because if you were single, they put you in the dorms, you lived in the dorms. So what people would often do in the military is, is, is a guy and a gal, I would imagine today probably a couple dudes do this now, you know, but, but a, a guy and a, and a lady, they would get married. And they would go and legally get married. And they, didn't, they weren't really in a, in a relationship. They were just doing it to get money so they could get that housing allowance. Well, you know, you say, well, were those people married if they went down to the courthouse, they made vows, they signed a contract, but they never actually consummated the marriage? Were those people married? And the answer is no. In the eyes of God, they were not married. Because an actual marriage, now, do I advise that? I do not. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's stupid. But I'm just going to answer the question for you. Say, prove that. I'm about to prove to you from the Bible. You know, people do stuff for all sorts of crazy things. Sometimes people get married to someone to bring them into the country, but they're not really uh, married to them or having a relationship with them. So look, what constitutes a biblical marriage is a covenant, is a contract, and it's consummation. That's what makes you married. Now, I want you to notice here Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. Look at the first word, when. That's the key word. The word when gives us a time frame. When does this apply? This exception for fornication? Well, I'm about to tell you when. Deuteronomy 24.1. When a man has taken a wife and married her. So when a guy gets married, when he just got married, and it comes to pass that she find no favor in his eyes. Why does she find no favor in his eyes? Here's why. Because, it's not because he's putting her away for every cause, like the uh, Pharisees asked. Here's why she found no favor in his eyes. Because he had found some uncleanness in her. What does the word uncleanness mean? Uncleanness is a biblical word being used here for disease, or what we would call an STD. So this guy gets married, he has taken a wife and married her, and then he goes in to consummate the marriage, and he, has, he finds no favor because he has found some uncleanness in her. Then the Bible says, let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of the house, and when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. You say, what is the Bible teaching here? Here's what the Bible is teaching. A young couple goes down an aisle, they make vows to each other, they enter into a covenant, they sign a contract, they enter into a contract, but before, before they consummate the marriage, something happens that causes one of them to think, wait a minute, you're not a virgin. 
Because he goes to consummate the marriage and he finds uncleanness in her. He sees an STD and he thinks to himself, wait a minute, you told me you were a virgin. You're obviously not a virgin. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that before he consummates the marriage, he can write her a bill of divorcement, and that's the exception. Except it be for fornication. Let me prove it to you even further. Look at verse 13, same chapter. Uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy 22. You're in Deuteronomy 24? Go back to Deuteronomy 22, verse 13. Deuteronomy 22, verse 13. Look, this is what the Bible teaches. Deuteronomy 22, 13. If any man take a wife and go in unto her, what does that mean? That means that he's going to consummate the marriage. But then the Bible says, and hate her, and give occasion of speech against her, and bring up an evil name upon her, and say, what does he say? He says, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. The word maid means virgin. In your King James Bible, that's what the word maid means. It's a young lady that's a virgin. Here you have a guy who took a wife, he went in unto her, but he found her not a maid. He found that she was not a virgin. Notice what the Bible says, look at verse 15. Then shall the father of the damsel... Now in this passage, we actually are seeing the example of a guy who's lying. You know, he, he, he enters into the, the covenant, he signs the contract, but before he consummates the marriage, he realizes she's crazy. So for some reason, he's trying to get out of this thing, so then he's lying about this girl and saying that she's not a maid, she's not a virgin. Look at verse 15. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity, this is the proof of her virginity, unto the elders of the city and the gate. This is... This is a legal matter. They're going to the elders of the city in the gate. This would be like city hall. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hated her, and lo, he had given occasion of speech against her, saying, I found uh, not thy daughter a maid. Now I want you to notice, in verse 14 he said, I found her not a maid. In verse 15 they bring the tokens of the damsel's virginity, in verse 17, he says, the father says that the guy said, I found her not a maid. I want you to notice how the word maid and virginity are being used interchangeably because that's what the word maid means. It means, I found her not a virgin. I found not, verse 17, thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens, the father says. This is the proof of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city, and the elders of the city shall take the man and chastise him, and they shall immerse him, the word immerse means to punish by imposing a fine, and a hundred shekels of silver, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name unto a virgin of Israel, and shall be and, and she shall be his wife, he may not put her away all his days. So what is the exception? That a guy marries a girl, and before he consummates the marriage, he finds her not a maid. There's a reason why he believes she's not a virgin, so then he can get out of the marriage before he consummates the marriage. But if it's proven that she really was a virgin, she may, he may not divorce her. The exception does not apply. So look, are people just allowed to get divorced for any reason, every reason? There's one very specific reason that you marry someone, and before you finalize it all, before you consummate the thing, 
you find out that she's not a virgin or he's not a virgin, and you decide that you don't want to marry them for that reason. Here we have a situation where he found her out of maid. By the way, uh, young ladies and young men, please hear this. He has brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. You know that it's a shame to not walk down the aisle a virgin. Our our world uh, acts like it's no big deal. The Bible says it's a shame. It's an evil report to to, to not be a virgin. You ought to make the decision tonight that you're going to walk down the aisle pure, male and female, young ladies and young men. You ought to decide, I'm going to walk down the aisle pure. I'm going to be clean before God. And if you say, well, I've already crossed that line, and I've already, well, look, then then rewind to the beginning of, of of the sermon. Thank God that he forgives. Thank God that he forgets. Putting those things behind you. But you know what? From this day forward, decide you're going to be pure. Amen. Decide you're going, to, you're going to be pure to the day of your marriage. Go, to, go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 1. So there is a biblical exception. What is it? It's fornication. But it's before consummation. Before you consummate the marriage, you can get a divorce if you found out that they were not a virgin. So let me, let me explain this to you. Here's when this does not apply. When you've both already fornicated together, this doesn't apply. When you've been married for 10 years and you've consummated the marriage a long time ago, this does not apply. When you want to divorce them because they lost their job and they've been unemployed, this doesn't apply. You want to divorce them because they committed adultery? Hey, I'm sorry for you about that, and we can help you, and and you can uh, be restored. But this does not apply. This is a very specific exception, and it was common in the ancient world for the marriage process to to be a time where people would get married, they would perform the vows, they would legally do it, and, and, and they would consummate the marriage later on. So this was something that applied in their life. See, in our culture today... All these things happen in one day. They walk down the aisle, they perform their vows, they, they sign the contract that same day, that night they consummate the marriage. So all three things happen in one day, but in the ancient world, these things took a little more time. You say, I don't know. Okay, let me give you probably the, 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 just the, the, the most you know, applicable example of this exception and why this does not apply to you. Matthew chapter 1, the story of Joseph and Mary. Remember, the, remember the, 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 the birth of Christ, the story of Christ? I want you to look at the story of Mary and Joseph through the lens of what we just learned in Deuteronomy. The biblical exception, except to be for fornication, Jesus said. When you find out that someone you married, before you've consummated the marriage, you find out that they were not a virgin, how this applies. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was, notice this word, espoused to Joseph. Were Mary and Joseph married? The answer is yes. People often say, oh, they were engaged. They weren't married yet. No, they were already married. They were legally married. Mary was espoused to Joseph. The word espouse or spouse means either member of a married couple, one's husband or one's wife. They were espoused because they were married legally. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, but notice, before they came together. They were married legally, but they had not yet consummated the marriage. So before they came together, she was found with child 
of the Holy Ghost. Now, when, when, when it comes out that Mary's pregnant, wouldn't that give Joseph a reason to think, oh, she's not a virgin? You know, now, we know that she was a virgin. But through human logic, he marries this girl, he does the vows, he signs the contract, they're waiting for the day that they're going to consummate the marriage. He has not, he be, they have not yet came together. And while, while that process is happening, it turns out that Mary's with child. So, of course, Joseph is assuming what everyone would assume. She's not a virgin. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband. It doesn't say her boyfriend. It doesn't say her fiancé. Joseph, her husband. Why? They were married. Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Look, Joseph was a good man. What, he's gonna, what, he's, what the Bible is telling us here is not a negative thing. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph being a just man, he's not doing anything wrong here, but not willing to make her a public example. He did not want, look, think about how good of a man Joseph was. He just found, he just found out that the girl that he loves and is married to contractually and, and through covenant, and he's not yet consummated the marriage, he just finds out that she's with child. So he's minded, the Bible says, to put her away. What does that mean? He's considering, he's thinking about maybe he should put her away, but he wants to do it privately. He doesn't want to shame her. That's how good of a man he is. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, notice he didn't make a decision, he's just thinking about this. While he thought on these things, of course, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And praise God for that. And God sends an angel to Joseph and says, look, Joseph, I know what you're thinking, but she's, she's been faithful. Don't worry. That which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 24, same chapter. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Now look, Joseph was considering to put her away. Why? Because Joseph was actually in the perfect example of what Moses taught in Deuteronomy. He had married Mary. They had signed a contract. They'd legally become married in their culture. They'd entered into a covenant. They were husband and wife, but he'd not yet consummated the marriage. And uh, when he found out that she was with child, he could have put her away, and God would have given that exception and approved that exception. Because that's the only exception. Now, I want you to notice, Joseph did not consummate the marriage with Mary until after she had given birth to Jesus Christ. Notice again, uh, look at verse 25. The Bible says, And knew her not, talking about Joseph and Mary, he knew her not till, the, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That term, knew her, is the Bible's non-vulgar way of referring to the physical act of marriage. It's the same thing that the Bible says in Genesis 4.1. You don't have to turn there. It says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. Now look, Mary and Joseph, Joseph could have scripturally divorced Mary. But even that, if he would have done it, now he wasn't, the Bible doesn't say he was going to do it. He was just thinking about it. He was considering it. And, of course, God gave him wisdom and told him what was actually going on. But even that would have been for the hardness of his heart. 
Because what God would have rather he have done, let's say Mary truly was unfaithful, and she really uh, didn't, you know, wasn't born of the Holy Ghost, what was conceived in her. What God would have preferred is that Joseph just forgave her. And, but, but, you know, but God says, look, that early into the marriage, when you've not even consummated the thing, if you find that one of you has been unfaithful, then you can, uh, then you can file for a bill of divorcement. But it has to happen before the consummation. So that doesn't apply. You know, I preached the sermons in the past. Go, go back, go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 if you would. People hear me preach the sermons and they're like, and, they're, and you know, they'll call me or, or email me or ask me because they're not happy in their marriage. And they're like, can I divorce my wife? Because she fornicated before we got married. And I'm just like, well, here's the thing, like, have you consummated the marriage? Well, we've been married for like, you know, 14 years and we got three kids. It's like, well, you had to, you had to divorce her before you consummated the marriage. And then, you know, you talk to these people and it's like, it's like, you know, who'd she fornicate with? And he's like, me. It's like, well, that doesn't apply. You consummated the thing before you even got married. Look, there, it's a very specific application here. Two individuals that are both attesting to be virgins enter into a covenant, enter into a contract, but before they consummate the marriage, it's found out that one of them was not a virgin, then the other one has the choice of writing a bill of divorce. That's the only exception. And 99.9% of people in the United States of America, that does not apply to today. So we have the biblical exclusion for divorce. We have the biblical exception for divorce. But let me give you the biblical expectation if you divorce. You say, well, Pastor Jimenez, you know, people get divorced. These things happen. What, doesn't the Bible say? What's the protocol? Uh, what is expected? If you get divorced. Well, God gives you two options. If you want to follow the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 11. Here's option number one. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 11. See, God never tells you, you cannot get divorced. Now, he's against it. He hates it. But he never says you cannot get divorced. Here's what he says. If you want to separate, if you want to get divorced, here are your options. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. But and if she depart. Here's your options. Let her remain unmarried. You say, Pastor, okay, I'm in a church like this. We're married. I'm married right now, and I want to divorce my wife. Can I divorce her? Here's what you can divorce. Here's what you can do. You can remain unmarried. If you want to get divorced, then you must remain unmarried. I remember years ago, sitting down with a man. He came to me. He doesn't come to our church anymore. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, you know, I've been trying to make things work with my wife. It's just not working. You know, it's, it's terrible. It's this, it's that, and all these things. You know, can I, get, uh, can I get divorced? And I said, look, the Bible says that you, if, you, if you get a divorce, which I told him I never advise that. I never advise anybody to get divorced. But the Bible says if you get divorced, you must remain unmarried. So are you willing to live unmarried and, and, and without that relationship of, of, a, of another person uh, for the rest of your life. That's what the Bible says. You say, well, why does the Bible say that? Here's why. Because there are times, situations, where I am not, and look, you can, different pastors say different things, and whatever they say, that's between them and God. But I'm just going to tell you my position. There are situations where I'm, ne- I'm not going to tell Someone like, you have to just remain. Look, if there's a lady that's, that's literally, physically being, you know, 
beat down by her husband where, you know, her life's in danger, I'm not going to say, well, you just go back and submit to him. You know, or, or where she married a reprobate or it's found out that her husband's a pedophile and her children are in danger. I'm not just going to say, well, you just go back. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, look, if you've got to depart, I understand, but you must remain unmarried. That's what the Bible says. If you want to be right with God, you have to remain unmarried. So, well, what if I remain? What if I start dating? Well, that's adultery, because you're dating someone while you're married to somebody else. Look, the Bible's not that complicated. You are to remain unmarried. And here's what I found: this, this, this uh, disclaimer or this concept that God says, "Okay, if it's that serious, if it's that bad, then you." Then, then you can go ahead and depart, but you must remain unmarried for the rest of your life. That kind of makes people, you know, take this seriously. Because I'll be honest with you, 99% of the people that come to me and they're like, I'm just going to get a divorce. I don't want to be married. I'm like, well, look, okay. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you to go back. But, you know, the Bible says you must remain unmarried for the rest of your life. Half the time, these people already got their Christian Mingle account up. They've already got their little dating sites up. See, there's something about, you know, because when you tell a husband, are you willing to remain unmarried for the rest of your life? They're like, well, no. And it's like, well, then it must not be that bad. Your little story. When you tell a wife, you know, are you willing to remain unmarried for the rest of your life? And they're like, no, of course not. I want to get married. I want to be happy. Then it must not be that bad. But you know what? When a child is actually in danger of being molested and a wife says, yes, I'll do whatever needs to be done to protect, then you know they're serious. So here are your options. You say, I want to get a divorce. I want to separate. Okay, if you want to follow what God says and not be in adultery, then, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. Those are your options. That's your option number one. You can get a divorce. I don't recommend it. I'm not for it. But you can get a divorce and separate and be right with God, or let me put it this way, not sin against God if you do so and remain unmarried for the rest of your life. You say, I don't like that. What's option number two? Here's option number two. First Corinthians 7, verse 11. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. But after she has her conversation with Pastor Jimenez, and she's like, you know, you got to get off of your little dating sites and stop committing adultery. I don't like that. What's the next option? Or here's option number two. Be reconciled to her husband. Those are your options. You can remain unmarried. For the rest of your life, if it's that serious, and if it's not that serious, you say, well, I get lonely, and I need someone to be with. Okay, then, be reconciled to your spouse. Amen. Be reconciled to her husband. Be reconciled to your wife. There's the biblical exclusion of divorce. There's a biblical exception to divorce. There's a biblical expectation if you get divorced. What's the expectation? That you are to remain unmarried. And if you can't do that, then reconcile. Amen. Reconcile with your spouse. Let me give you the last one. We'll finish up. Here's the biblical example for not divorcing. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. You're there in 1 Corinthians. You're going to go past 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Remember we saw in Malachi that God hateth putting away? Why does God hate it? Why does he hate it so much? Here's why. In Ephesians chapter 5, remember we were in Ephesians 5 last Sunday morning? And I told you this, and I believe this. That Ephesians 5 is the quintessential passage in all of Scripture about marriage. It is the number one passage on marriage. It's not the only passage on marriage. There's lots of passages about marriage. But if there's one chapter on marriage in the Bible that every married couple needs to know and understand, it is Ephesians chapter 5. Here's the funny thing about Ephesians chapter 5. 
It's not about marriage at all. <laughs> Ephesians 5, look at verse 23. You say, what do you mean? Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, here's what we often think. We think, okay, the passage is about husbands and wives, and he's giving us an example of Christ and the church. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be their own husbands and everything. And we think it's about husbands and wives. He's using the church and Christ as an example. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We think it's about husbands and wives, and he's using Christ and the church as an example. But look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Remember that? Don't separate what God has joined together. Don't unone what God has made one. Then Paul says this in verse 32. This is a great mystery. Notice what he says. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. You say, what do you mean? Here's, here's, what, I, here's, here's what Paul's saying. Here's what we think. We think he's talking about husbands and wives, and he's using Christ and the church as an example. The truth is actually the opposite. He's talking about Christ and the church, and he's using husbands and wives as an example. He says, this whole passage, this whole writing that I've given you about husbands loving their wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, this whole thing about wives submitting unto their husbands as unto the Lord uh, in the same way that the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands. He said, all of this, I've not actually been talking about marriage. He says, I've actually been talking, verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He said, I've been teaching you about Christ and the church, but then he says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see said that she reverence her husband. See, Paul says, I've not been talking to you about husbands and wives using an example of Christ in the church. He says, I've been talking to you about Christ in the church using an example about husbands and wives. You say, why does it matter? Here's why it matters. Because husbands and wives are a picture of Christ and the church. Amen. That's why God hates divorce. Because you ruin the picture. I just can't. I just can't be with them anymore. I can't forget. I can't find it in my heart to forgive. And I'm not mocking you. I get, I get people hurt, and there's deep things. But let me tell you something. Aren't you thankful when Jesus saved you that he found it in his heart to forgive you? Aren't you thankful that there's security in Christ? Aren't you thankful that he will never leave you nor forsake you? Aren't you thankful that Jesus will never divorce you? Aren't you thankful that Jesus will always forgive you? Aren't you thankful? Hey, here's what he says. Husbands and wives are a picture of Christ in the church. So stick with it. Amen. Forgive when you need to forgive and, and, and have security. Hey, we have eternal security. Amen. We can't lose our salvation. Why? Because God hates divorce. And God says, you know what? A husband and wife ought to be committed because they picture Christ and the church. Amen. I'm going to leave my wife. Well, Christ will never leave the church. Right. I'm going to leave my husband. Well, there'll never be a separation between Christ and his church. I can't forgive him anymore. I can't forgive her anymore. Jesus will always forgive us. Amen. That's why God hates divorce. He hates it. The Lord hateth putting away. Why? Because he says, look, Christ and the church, 
He said, back in the Garden of Eden, when, when, when I saw that Adam was alone, and I said, it is not good for man that it should be alone, and he said, and I brought unto him his wife, and, and, I, and twain became one, they became one, they were two, but now they are one, and, 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 and don't ever separate. He said, that was all a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the fact that one day we became, we went into Christ, and he came in to us, and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So the biblical example for not divorcing is this, Christ and the church. I understand couples go through difficult things. I get that. I'm not belittling that. I understand that there are difficult things. But you, 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 ought, you should remember, when you say, I just want to quit, you got to consider, will Christ ever quit on me? I can't forgive. I can't get over this. Christ always forgives. He will always forgive you. You will always be in covenant with him. This is the example of marriage. So I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that God, God is against divorce. There's a biblical exclusion. Go back to Matthew 19. We'll finish up. There's a biblical exclusion to divorce. God excludes it. Till Death do us part. Don't separate what God has joined together. Don't unwind what God has made one. And just remove that word from your vocabulary. Oftentimes when, when, when Christians, you know, couples fight, or I should say, when couples fight, any couple, they like to throw this word around, divorce, divorce, divorce. Just don't do that. Make that word, get it out of your vocabulary. Next week we're going to talk about, you know, conflict resolution in marriage, and we're going to talk about fighting and marriage and those things and, and how to resolve that. But let me just say this. Remove the word divorce. In fact, when you're, Christian couples should remove a lot of stuff from their fighting. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight. If you need to fight, go ahead and fight. But you shouldn't be throwing this word divorce around. You shouldn't be cussing and cursing. That's what the world does. You're a Christian. You say, well, aren't we allowed to fight? You know, fight like a Christian. You say, what does that mean? I don't know what that means, but if you're going to fight, fight like a Christian. If you got to tell him you're a big meanie head, you know, and he says, well, takes one to marry one, I don't know. Just whatever you got to do, do what you got to do, but don't sin. And don't throw this word divorce around. There's a biblical exclusion to divorce. There is a biblical exception to divorce. It's for fornication before consummation. That's it. And if you've already consummated the marriage, it doesn't apply to you. If you were not virgins when you got married, that doesn't apply to you. There's a very specific exception. And there's an expectation. You say, well, I just can't do it. I've got to get a divorce. Okay, well, here are your options. Remain unmarried. I can't do that. Okay, then be reconciled to your wife. Be reconciled to your husband. Those are your options. And then there's a biblical example for not divorcing. And it is Christ and the church, which is why God hates divorce so much. So we go back to the answer of Jesus, Matthew 19, verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? Here's the truth. Most people that are wrong on, on marriage have not read the verses that I took you to today. I've not even read those verses. Never even knew Deuteronomy talked about those things. Jesus said, Have you not read? That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. 
Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this clear teaching on divorce from the Bible, divorce and remarriage. And Lord, I know that these, this teaching can be difficult at times. And there's a lot of baggage and a lot of hurt that often goes along with it. And I understand that. And I'm not belittling it. But this is what the Bible teaches. And if people have divorce and remarriage in their past, then I pray that they would just ask God to forgive them and move on. Forgetting those things which are behind. And, and, and if they're married, then let them be committed to the spouse they're married to today. And Lord, I pray for these young couples and these couples that have not been divorced. Help them to just remove that word from their, that concept from their mind. And if there's marriages that are struggling, Lord, help them to learn these concepts and to realize that maybe they've got to put some work into it. Maybe God has to step in and help them, but that God wants them to stay married because of the picture of Christ in the church. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a church that would teach biblically what the Bible says about these things, to not back down from it, but to not uh, make it more strict than it actually is. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're gonna have-